Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Thursday. It's June 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Round number one of the U.S. Open is underway, so we'll be monitoring that throughout the program. We'll take your phone calls today, 602-260-1060, around 1030 and 1115. We also have have four packs of tickets to give away for Sunday's Arizona Diamondbacks game, the Father's Day edition with the Hawaiian t-shirts for the first 15,000 uh, dads on Sunday. You can always find out more information by going to dbacks.com slash dad. So we'll have that later on in the show. But let's first set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question. Who wins the NL West? The options are Arizona or Los Angeles and Los Angeles continues to lead the way here. 88% of the vote, Arizona trailing at 12%. Yeah, the uh, interesting, uh, you know, maybe not the best timing for this question today. The Diamondbacks have played, I think, arguably their two worst consecutive games of the season the last two nights and lost to the Phillies. Uh, the Dodgers had a, another bullpen ex- implosion last night. Uh, Kershaw wasn't great. Uh, but he is so smart and he understands how to pitch. Yeah, he got through and he had, you know, they had a lead going into the eighth inning. They gave up three in the eighth and three in the ninth and, and lost a game. They now, the Dodgers, have the worst National League bullpen earn run average. 15 teams, they're 15th. Wow, that's not great. We'll get into more around the Dodgers as well as uh, the rest of Major League Baseball a little bit later on, and we'll also start with the Diamondbacks here shortly. But let's toss it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Which team misses its star the most, the Mets with Pete Alonzo or the Yankees with Aaron Judge? And the Yankees with Aaron Judge out in front at 62.5% of the vote, Mets with Pete Alonzo at 37.5%. Yeah, I was going to ask specifically this question to Zach Kreiser from Yahoo in the last hour, but I didn't even have to ask him specifically because he kind of answered it before I got to the question. Uh, so we'll make you, you know, if you missed it, you know, shame on you. Uh, but if you want to listen to it, you can podcast. Uh, That's correct. On. Uh, KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Uh, Let's stick with the theme of Major League Baseball, and we'll start here with the Arizona Diamondbacks from last night. They lost in the 10th inning to the Phillies 4-3. But Christian Walker, he hit the three-run home run in the eighth inning to tie the ball game up at three apiece. The home run ended up being his 100th home run hit in a Diamondbacks uniform. And on the season, he has 13 blasts, 42 RBIs, and he's batting 261. I have some questions for you about Christian Walker. Has uh, ha- Have you been surprised at the ascension of Christian Walker's game uh, in the last couple of years here with the Diamondbacks? 
Well, last not this year, um, yeah, and really not last year. Two years ago for sure. And uh, if we uh, you know back to twenty, I get my years right here. Uh, twenty twenty one. Um, yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was my understanding during spring training that he was kind of on the roster bubble. And uh, I can't remember who specifically. There was an injury right at the end of spring training, and he made the opening day roster. And by the end of uh, you know, that particular season, he established himself as their starting first baseman. I don't even think it's an arguable point that he was their best player a year ago. Uh, they were improved last year, but you know, not great. But uh, they were improved. And this year, he's been really good. He's a, he has obviously worked really hard to turn him out. I think he was an okay defender before, but he's a legitimate uh, gold glove defender at first base, of which he won last year. And, you know, I don't watch every game, contrary to popular belief, in Major League Baseball, but you know, I don't think there's a first baseman in, in either league uh, that is a, a better defender than he is. So he's been really, he's been amazing. I mean, uh, he's maxed out, and you know, they really struggled last night against Ranger Suarez, who's a ground ball, you know, specialist. Uh, and uh, and uh, they got him out of the game, and uh, you know, he hit the home run in the eighth inning after off of uh, off Dominguez, and uh, so you know they they got him out of there. And uh, Carson, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, Merrill Kelly. Uh, wasn't great last night, had obviously command issues, but figured out a way to give his team a chance to win and made it through six innings. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of, uh, you know, kind of lost in the shuffle too after the, the way the game ended with some more bad defense for them. And I think a lot of that had to do with poor Domo, who doesn't play that much second base, and he's in there for Morte, who has had some back issues. And uh, did not start the last two nights. He did pinch hit Marte in the eighth inning last night. But the fact that Perdomo is, not, I don't think, used to, you know, to, he's almost had all his time at shortstop. And uh, I think that the, the collision between him and McCarthy in the 10th inning in right field, I think a lot of that had to do with just if his, his uh, uh, Perdomo lack of uh, experience playing second base, at least this season for the Diamondbacks. To your point there, uh, Merrill Kelly, he got the start. Six innings pitched, three hits, three runs, four walks, seven strikeouts, one home run. The game was won on a Nick Castellanos uh, sack fly off of Scott McGuff. When we've been talking a lot about the Diamondbacks and their pitching situation, so what do you think after seeing several games now um, to be more important at the deadline, a starter or a reliever closer role? Um, I think a starter. I mean, really, I think that to me, they only have two reliable starting pitchers, and they've both been really good. Zach Gallon hasn't been that good lately, actually, and Kelly's been tremendous uh, over his previous, what, eight or nine starts, ten starts maybe until last night. And he's figured out a way still to give his team a chance to win after you know, he walked the first two hitters of the game and uh, somehow made it through that first inning, but yeah, you could you could tell that he was fighting it. Uh, he definitely turned things around and looked more like himself. But yeah, you know, the pitch count was you know enormous by the time he got to the sixth and he was done. Uh, but you know, other than those two starters, I don't know if you have a lot of faith in the Diamondbacks winning day to day, even as good as they are, 41 and 27. But just to give you an idea, you know the betting market. And the odds makers, let's start with the odds makers and the betting market, 
they don't believe in the Diamondbacks. And today is an example of just a pitching matchup that clearly dictates that the not in first place Phillies and just big, you know, back to 500 Phillies. Uh, you know, they factor 500 right now after last night, last two nights, they won nine out of 11 and they've won eight, uh, four straight series now, but, uh, they're 500 for the first time since May 14th, the Phillies and the Phillies, because they have Aaron Noel on the mound today, there are, you know, road underdogs or excuse me, road favorites. The Diamondbacks are home underdogs today, uh, because it's Aaron Nola who hasn't been great this year. A five, uh, excuse me, a four sixty year run average, and he's given uh, given up a ton of home runs against Ryan Nelson, who was good at Detroit on Saturday, but that was at Detroit. And Nelson a four ninety five year run average. So, in spite of all these lofty numbers, bottom line, you know, at least the betting market, and I think a lot of baseball still not believing the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, okay, so starter, reliever, if you were going to go in a reliever closer situation, would you be tempted to go after a younger guy that maybe is on a team that's not contending, so they're looking to flip for some pieces, or would you go in a more veteran who's um, potentially on the free agent horizon market? I would go, you know, if it's a if it's a bullpen arm, I'm going for the veteran who you have more faith in. Uh, let's put it that way. I'm also uh, extremely concerned whether it's the Diamondbacks or any other team that's contending, because I think you can, there are not many teams other than the Yankees, and they ran out of bullpen guys last night. In fact. But other than the Yankees, I don't think there are too many you know, contending teams or teams that you think might be contenders that are set in the bullpen. I think it's going to be, you know, the bullpen market at the trade deadline is often a you know, free-for-all. I think whatever is you know, more elevated than the free-for-all, I think it's just going to be complete chaos, I guess, uh, at the trade deadline this year. And if you get one of these high-level you know, elite relief pitchers here, not even closers, but just relief pitchers that can maybe throw a couple of bulk type of innings and be effective for you, I think the, uh, the, the what you're going to have to give up is going to be enormous as far as prospects. And usually that's the way that these things work. And I would not be in favor of the Diamondbacks giving up any of their top top end, you know, young talent to get a relief pitcher. Um, there's been a couple of names that I've seen in an article about uh, being a veteran and with their free agency impending here. Uh, some floating out a couple of names here for you. Carl Edwards Jr., Buck Farmer, Amir Garrett, Pierce Johnson, Joe okay. Ke- Kelly. Yeah. Okay, I'm not in favor of any of those guys. Okay. Um, yeah, I would have said you know, the Joe Kelly thing, I might have I probably, in fact, you know, I, I was thinking about trying to get him in a fantasy league in the last couple of weeks, but he's sucked here of late and he has been hit really hard. Uh, before that, he was really good. And part of what was the White Sox really good bullpen. And unfortunately, uh, the White Sox, White Sox until last night, uh, their bullpen had really kind of imploded of late and Kelly was a big part of the, uh, of the problem. Uh, a couple of other names here, Craig Kimbrell, Trevor May, and Kenyon Middleton. Okay, there's no there's no chance in hell that Kimbrell's going to be traded. Um, none. Uh, so Middleton, I uh, watched him pitch last night. 
and I'm, I'm he's just uh, he's had some moments, but that was like two or three teams ago in his Angels days. I forgot the third guy. I apologize. Uh, third guy. Trevor May. Oh, I'm, not, I'm completely against that. Um, yeah, I actually thought that he would be. You know, the A, the A's have had lots of issues. Yeah, you know, they spent money on him uh, this off season to bring him over from the Mets uh, in free agency, and he's been a huge disappointment. Uh, I forgot what day it was this week because they won so many games in a row. The A's. <laughs> I don't get to say that very often. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, on shaky ground in, in one of those games that they did win, and they should have lost that particular game, and he got really lucky to get a save. And I have no interest in him whatsoever, no matter what. Uh, it is a 12:40 start today from Chase Field. The Phillies are sending out Aaron Nola, five and five, four point six zero ERA, eighty four strikeouts. Ryan Nelson, three and three, four point nine five ERA, forty one strikeouts. Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the odds makers. Uh, you, know, you know, I haven't looked in the last couple of hours, but you know, Nola was you know, installed as the. You know, basically a six to five, seven to five favorite in this game. And when I last looked, which as I mentioned was a couple hours ago, uh, that had been bet up. We will get into more around Major League Baseball in hour number two. On the other side of the break, we'll get into the 33rd's Jeff Diamond. He put together a 25 under 25, ranking the NFL's top young players. So we'll go through a few of those uh, as mini camps for most teams are wrapping up today, if they have not already yesterday. So uh, the NFL taking a bit of a break for the summer before training camps. I did see that the Cardinals just put out their training camp dates so we'll get into that a little bit as well but this is the extra point right here on kdus am 1060 online at kdus 1060.com and with the kdus 1060 app powered by superbook sports right here on this thursday june 15th We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Thursday. It is June 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Practices open to the public for the Arizona Cardinals has just been released. Uh, once again, parking and admission are going to to be free uh, but digital tickets are required in order to enter the first practice will be thursday july 20th this is for training camp right correct training camp yeah okay uh, uh, the first practice will be Thursday, July 27th, uh, starting at 1.15 p.m. to 2.30. They will once again have the Back Together weekend, which will be Saturday, July 29th. They will also have the Red and White practice, which will be Saturday, August 5th. The Back Together weekend is 1.15 to 2.45, and the Red and White practice on August 5th is going to be 1.15 to 3.15 p.m. So I'm sure you can find out more about all of that over at azcardinals.com. 
When it comes to uh, the 33rds, Jeff Diamond, he put together a 25 under 25, ranking the NFL's top young players. I thought we could go through a few of these, starting with mm-hmm. his 25th player, which is Trevon Diggs, cornerback of the Cowboys. In 2021, he led the NFL with 11 interceptions, two pick sixes. Uh, he can still be more consistent in his coverage, but he has talent and big play ability. Sometimes I wonder, though, if he gambles a little bit too much at times. You can expand that. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he gambles too many times. And old-timers, well, I compare him to Lem Barney all the time, uh, who used to be a, hey, I assume he's in a Hall of Fame because, hell, everybody's in the NFL Hall of Fame, whether they deserve it or not. Uh, But, you know, Lem Barney was a guy for the Lions back in the day that, he was either going to intercept the pass or give up like a huge play. <laughs> uh, number 24 on the list here is Chris Olave, wide receiver with the Saints. His rookie season in 2022, he had 72 catches, 1,042 yards, four touchdowns in 15 games. Uh, you know, the, the question here is always how is the sophomore season going to go? But they're obviously changing things up, and Derek Carr is going to be the one throwing him the football this year. That'll help, uh, even though Carr doesn't exactly wing it down the field. But Alave is a tremendous route runner. Obviously, went to Ohio State, and I'm an Ohio State fan. Uh, they've had a many really good wide receivers, even going back to, like, Terry Glenn. Uh, you know, kind of the first where that started, in my, you know, in my opinion. They had some guys before that occasionally, but they weren't a pass-heavy offense. Uh, until the last few years. But of all the guys they've had at Ohio State as a receiver, I can't imagine anybody is better at running routes. And he is a master of the work in the sideline. And not just that part, but catching. He, he's had an incredible amount of catches where he caught the ball in bounds. And uh, you wouldn't think there's any chance he could do that. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr., <laughs> the current. Ohio State receiver this upcoming year, the number one dude who was number one last year. He might even be better. Uh, but Alavi, he's got t- tremendous skill. Uh, you know, if you're in a fantasy football league, if, you, if you're if you in a PPR league, he's going to be, I think, tremendous with a better quarterback situation. If you're in a league where it re- requires more uh, you know, yards and touchdowns, I'm not sure he's your guy. Uh, I'm actually surprised that this person comes in at number 23. thought it might be a little bit better, uh, but that's Tariq Woolen, cornerback of the Seahawks. Six interceptions last season and 16 passes defended. Yeah, I think part of this is because he kind of, uh, you know, he wasn't a, a shock or whatever, but, you know, he wasn't considered like the top cornerback in the draft or anything uh, two, you know, two drafts ago. So I'm guessing that uh, – the fact that he didn't have the so-called pedigree before he was on the field with the Seahawks last year, I'm guessing that that kind of plays a factor. Uh, number 22 is Kyle Pitts, tight end with the Falcons. Only 10 games, 28 catches, 356 yards last season. For me, the question here is how much was injuries? How much was the suspect quarterback play? How are things going to turn around and be different and maximize uh, the physical uh, athletic gifts that Kyle Pitts has? All legitimate questions. Uh, and actually, just this week, uh, and actually Tuesday when I was in the you know, the waiting area to, uh, to have my blood test, 
I actually, you know, that's the day after the NBA ended, I've kind of turned my attention to fantasy football in some cases. And uh, this is a guy that uh, I put in red ink, which is not good for me if I put something in red ink because that means I, I'm done with him. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have him last year. If I did, I would have been angry like 20 seconds after I picked him. Uh, but I don't think I don't think the quarterback plays. Got, I think their defense, Atlanta's defense, could be significantly better. I'm not so sure about the offense. I also wonder if Bijan Robinson is gonna. He's got such a good pass catcher out of the backfield. I wonder if them drafting him is going to further limit Pitts's uh, targets. Uh, then you have at number 21. Uh... Hafunga, the safety with the 49ers, he was a starter last year, 97 tackles, four interceptions, and two forced fumbles. Yeah, I loved him in college at SC. Um, was a little surprised he was as good as he was last year with the 49ers. You know, I think I need to see a little more in the NFL level. Let's put it that way. And number 20 is Garrett Wilson, wide receiver with the Jets. Uh, despite having the question marks about who was throwing him the ball last year, 83 catches, 1,103 yards, four touchdowns, 26 plays of more came, uh, I'm sorry, 26 plays that he had last season were of more than 20 yards. Certainly an explosive wide receiver. And now the questions here, how is he going to fit in with Aaron Rodgers? Played in the lob with the lobby at Ohio State. Rodgers has already compared it to Devontae Adams uh, during the time that uh, that Rodgers has been with the Jets. He is a tri- you know you mentioned the big explosive plays or the yards. Uh, yeah, a lot of those are run after the catch. Uh, he is a tre- tremendous freak athlete, and I would be while I'm not high on the Jets this year. Let's rephrase, let's, let me rephrase that. While I'm not nearly as high or as high as seemingly the the world in general on the Jets heading into this upcoming season, I think uh, it would be really surprising if Wilson did not have a big-time year. Uh, I'm going to skip now to number six, so you can read the article yourself, the 33rds, Jeff Diamond, uh, 25 under 25. Number six on the list here is Sauce Gardner, cornerback of the Jets, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. He had 20 passes defended, which was a league's best last year, two interceptions along with 75 tackles. Yeah, no, but I don't think anybody's going to argue this. In fact, I, you know, I don't know who the top five are. We're number six. Is that number six? Yeah, it's just number six. Okay, so I don't know the top five are, but I'm surprised he's not higher. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I think that uh, Sauce Gardner, he lived up to every bit of kind of his own hype that he brings on himself. He backed it up. Right, and he was tremendous at, at UC in college at University of Cincinnati. And that defense was really good. I didn't, you know, with Desmond Ritter, I didn't think their offense was particularly good, but uh, or it certainly wasn't national championship level. And when they played Alabama in the bowl game, uh, you know, that was you know, or the playoff game or whatever that was, uh, that was a uh, you know kind of proof that the offense wasn't good enough and Ritter wasn't good enough. But uh, you know, Gardner, I don't think anybody disputed his college performance. And I don't think anybody that watched him in college was surprised how good he was in the first year of the NFL. 
Well, let's pause there at number six, and we'll get to the top five on the other side of the break. That's the 33rd's Jeff Diamond's 25 under 25 ranking NFL's top young players. So we'll get five through one on the other side. But if you'd like to join the program, you can. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls now. Talk to you next. 602-260-1060. The U.S. Open. It's underway. You have Jacob Solomon, Dylan Wu, Xander Shoffley, Paul Bahorn all sitting atop of the leaderboard at three under par. Uh, Ryan Gerard, Ricky Fowler, and Siwoo Kim all at two under par. So we'll get into more about the U.S. Open a little bit later on in the program as well. But the number to call in, 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the show. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. 1035 on this Thursday, June 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we continue our conversation uh, going through the list of the 33rds. Jeff Diamond, 25 under 25, ranking NFL's top young players. We went through 25, Trayvon Diggs, 24, Chris Ola. Lave, 23, Tariq Woolen, 22, Kyle Pitts, 21, Hafunga, 20, Garrett Wilson. I then skipped over to the sixth player as Sauce Gardner. Now we're going to go through the top five here. Number five is wide receiver for the Bengals, Jamar Chase. In 2021, 81 catches, 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns. In 2022, 87 catches, 1,046 yards, and nine touchdowns. He did miss uh, five games with an injury in 2022. Yeah, that's an interesting... I don't know if it's an issue because I don't remember him being uh, injured often or, or all in college. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't remember a specific thing in college where he kind of thought, ooh, it could be an injury issue. However, uh, even though I like Chase, uh, you know, going back to number six with Sauce Gardner, I would still have Gardner ahead of Chase because I just think the position is, you know, it's more scarce. That's true. Uh, there seems to be an abundance of young wide receivers right now. Uh, certainly that draft class had a bunch of wide receivers coming out that were just uh, uh, difference makers. The connection that he has with Joe Burrow is pretty special. Right. But Sauce Gardner uh, instantly, I mean, I know he won rookie of the year, but you could have made the argument that he ascended to being a top two, top three cornerback in the league. I think that's a pretty easy argument, in fact. So I'm with you on that. I will say one thing, though, and you know the what the wide receiver run of several years here in drafts. Uh, I would be surprised if that continued from the draft class that we just saw a couple of months ago. Number four on this list is Tristan Wirfs' offensive tackle with the Bucks. He allowed only six pressures last year at right tackle, and it looks like he's going to be flipped to left tackle this season. Yeah, that's an interesting change for everybody, even though. 
yeah, I think one thing that the NFL defenses have changed somewhat is it used to be, you know, the left tackle is still a big deal. But I now I think I think actually I now think that both tackles are become kind of a bigger deal collectively uh, because it's just not the best pass rusher on the other team is you know at the right defensive end or outside linebacker position. Number three, Micah Parsons, outside linebacker with the Cowboys in 2021, 13 sacks, 30 quarterback hits, 84 tackles, and 20 TFLs. In 2022, 13 and a half sacks, 26 quarterback hits, 65 tackles, and 13 TFLs. Yeah, uh, obviously he's spectacular uh, when he's good. But there's been too many missing in action games uh, for Parsons. Uh, Tim, you know, not the he deserves to be in this list for sure. And certainly, if you're starting a team, I'm guessing he's one of the first guys you would draft. Uh, period. No matter whether it's 25 or under or older. But I just wish he was a little more consistent from game to game. Uh, number two on this list, another wide receiver, Justin Jefferson with the Vikings. 4,825 yards in his first three seasons. Uh, he makes a lot of contested catches. We know some of the special plays that uh, he makes. We know that the ball is going to him often, and yet the ball still finds him. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Yes, it does. Uh, he finds the ball. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I actually, uh, all the people we've officially mentioned here, uh, he would be number one on this list for me. So I don't know who number one is. I'm anxiously anticipating the, the as the countdown continues. This is like a Dick Clark thing back from the 60s in my life, an American bandstand. The, the countdown for the top, you know, the, the singles charts back in the day used to be the Saturday morning show. And, uh, you know, you didn't have, there was, you know, Kids, boys, and girls out there, no internet back in those days. <laughs> so, no, you know, no cable back in those days. So, if you were into rock and roll at all when you were a kid, like I was in the 60s and early 70s and beyond, but as far as, as, far as that show, the big countdown was the Dick Clark. Uh, is, yeah, it's is Sugar Sugar, one of the worst songs of all time, still going to be number one this week, which it was for like two months. <laughs> uh, did he have a drum roll? I should have gotten a drum roll ready to go. Yeah, he might have actually. He has studio audience. It was it was a it was a tremendous one. Of, you know, if you're a rock and roll fan, it's arguably uh, the greatest show ever, uh, other than Ed Sullivan, who had obviously the the guest and you know, Dick Clark had guests too. But I don't remember the Beatles appearing on Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Well, we've so far gone through 20, uh, 20 through 25 and then two through six, and we have yet to name a quarterback. So here we go. Number one is coming in at the quarterback position, Jalen Hurts with the Eagles. 22 touchdowns versus six picks in 2022. He also added 760 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns on the ground, plus the most unstoppable play, uh, the fourth and one play where everyone just pushes Hurts and he churns those legs and gets himself a first down. It'll be interesting to see if that unstoppable play becomes somewhat stoppable because I'm guessing uh, certainly the teams in the uh, NFC East, uh, I assume that's been an off-season off emphasis. Maybe not, you know, certainly not the physical part because that would be illegal. And you don't, you know, coaches never do anything illegal during mini camps or anything uh, unless they want to get fined or suspended or lose draft picks. 
Uh, so we've seen it. But anyway, it would be interesting to see if that part of the uh, – I would be shocked if the efficiency level was as high as it was last year when it seemed to be kind of a, a new thing, so to speak. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, there have been few players, and I'm not saying this without thinking about it, there have been few players in any professional sport – uh, that has improved more from, say, year one to year three than Jalen Hurts. With all that in mind, would you still stick with Jeff, Justin Jefferson at number one? No, I would go with Hurts because his quarterback is, you know, still the, you know, the, you know, the you know, arguably, maybe even not arguably, maybe we can discuss this. Is quarterback the most important position in professional sports? And if you think yes, then I think Hurts has to be number one. Well... Most teams seem to be building around the quarterback, except if you look at the, what the 49ers have been trying to do. But they thought they had their quarterback with Trey Lance, right? So you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think they ever thought they had their you know, you know Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, even though they liked him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that they actually – at least John Lynch did – it seems like John Lynch, as time goes on here, was much more in on the Trey Lance thing than, than uh, Kyle Shanahan was. But certainly, I think, you know, um, a, a Tennessee Titans team sticks in my head. You know, not this last year, but the year that they had A.J. Brown, the year that they had a good tight end production. Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry doing everything that Derrick Henry can do. They only were able to go so far, uh, maybe with limitations from Brian Tannehill. I actually don't think it was a Tannehill issue at all. I mean, uh, you know, I think that that team maxed out. Their offensive line was amongst the best in the NFL. And I don't know the you know, the metrics, uh, you know, whether they back this up or not, uh, the people who do the offensive line grading and so forth. But I can't imagine that there are too many teams uh, that have had a more rapid decline in offensive line efficiency in like a one- or two-year period then the Tennessee Titans, including obviously, you know, Lawan had to retire. You know, Kelly, their center, has been injured frequently. I don't even know if he's still on their roster. Uh, but, you know, they've gone from elite in uh, arguably the best offensive line in football to, I'm guessing, a bottom five group. Uh, the Bills situation continues to be bizarre after all of the situation that earlier this week between uh, Stefan Diggs and head coach Sean McDermott and what the agent was saying about Diggs being there. Uh, McDermott saying that he was uh, very concerned about Diggs's absence here. After all this is said and done, they were previously scheduled to have practice today for the last day of mandatory minicamp, and it looks like they have canceled that. Uh, so their right. work for summer is over before training camp Sean McDermott who was not expected to talk yesterday ended up talking after practice and he said that he feels the situation with Diggs is quote resolved uh, Diggs did participate in individual drills Wednesday but not in the team portion of things McDermott went on to say here quote that's my sentiment with any player in particular a player is important to us as Steph and so I get concerned when players miss for reasons off the field for reasons on the field he then 
went on to say, we get, uh, we got to a point yesterday where I just, we just felt like we all needed a break and some space. And so I gave Steph permission to get some space and head out and then picked up those conversations after practice. So there's obviously something there. And uh, hopefully, you know, if you're a Bills fan, that all gets resolved before training camp. Okay, a couple things here. First up, it's not surprising when teams cancel the final practice of the offseason. You know, just to end on a positive note, keep your people happy, tell them don't get arrested in the next month before you come back to training camp, doing, don't do anything stupid. Uh, as I talked with you about uh, off the air, uh, this is the – from the the time that uh, the uh, you know, the mini camp ends and the off season ends for the NFL uh, until training camp starts, coaches, executives, owners, or uh, any time their phone rings at a after hour opportunity, they're thinking the worst. And unfortunately, the majority of the news in the NFL for the next month will be people getting into trouble with the law and maybe being suspended for part of the upcoming season. So that's kind of where we're at there. As far as Diggs specifically, you know, he had issues when he was in Minnesota. He has issues now in Buffalo. Uh, a friend of mine reminded me he was also a guy that was had issues at the University of Maryland, um, which I either forgot about or didn't even know about because it's hell, it's the University of Maryland. Uh, we knew he was good, and he fell in the draft because there were some character issues. Not necessarily, you know, anything to do with the law, but just is, you know, he's seemingly not the easiest guy to get along with. And I think that that has definitely happened in his NFL career in two locations now. So I actually asked a question in the pipeline today, is he ever going to be happy? And to answer that question, I would say it appears no. One other bit of news, uh, Kirk Cousins said Wednesday that contract talks with him and the Vikings will likely not resume until after the season. Cousins is an unrestricted free agent uh, in 2024. He'll also be 35 to start the season this year. Uh, Cousins' time in Minnesota. Yeah, I would assume uh, whether there is anything with him after this year in Minnesota will depend on how this season goes. And uh, they've lost a lot of key players that we talked about. Was that yesterday or the day before? I guess it had yesterday. To be yesterday, right? Yes. Uh, was yesterday that we talked about that, and they've lost uh, some you know, key pieces. They've got some current guys there uh, that are less than thrilled with their situations even now. Uh, in the division, uh, seems to certainly Detroit's gotten better. Uh, in addition, uh, the, the Bears will be better. They're not an automatic win or close to an automatic win in the division. And I'm still not sure what to make of Green Bay, even though I, I did see a little bit of a Jordan Love you know, you know, post-practice uh, you know, you know, video that, and, you know, talking to the media today. And you know, if, if you're not saying all the right things in June – that you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, talking publicly, whether you believe it or not, you're going to say it. You know, not to say that something can't get done in the off season, moves to be made. They have kind of a plan in place. The only thing I will say about the quarterback position is that they haven't really drafted for the future. I don't even know what their backup is. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's a, uh, 
you know, they, 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 I think the window of opportunity for the Vikings to have any kind of uh, postseason success uh, ended last year uh, when they lost to the Giants. And I would be highly surprised in the, you know, the NFC, not nearly as good as the AFC, obviously, but I would be highly surprised that the Vikings were in the postseason in 2023. The backup to Kirk Cousins is Nick Mullins. Whoa. Okay, that's not good. Um, nice quarterback at uh, Southern Mississippi, but uh, and he's had uh, he's been around in the NFL a little bit. And had limited success. He's had some success, but nothing uh, extended success uh, would not be an accurate statement. Right now, caller number three six zero two two sixty ten sixty. You win a four pack of tickets to the Diamondbacks versus Guardians game on Sunday, June eighteenth. It is the Father's Day, day day game, so spend the day with Dad at Chase Field. The first fifteen thousand dads to the Diamondbacks game against the Guardians will receive a Father's Day Hawaiian shirt, courtesy of Budweiser. You can find out more information, secure tickets if you aren't a winner over at dbacks.com/dad. The game gets started one ten p.m from Chase Field. It's a four-pack of tickets for that game, the Diamondbacks versus the Guardians on Sunday, June 18th. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take caller number three, 602-260-1060. We wrap up our number one on the other side of the break right here on KDUS AM 1060. Listen to rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. Wrapping up our number one on this Thursday, June 15th, right here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. You know, Bob, in our off-air conversation that we were just having, your friend, he kind of has to do what you want anyway tomorrow when it's your birthday. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, he doesn't know that. Yeah, actually, he does know that. So, because I told him like on Tuesday, there was just, he knows it's sometime in June. I know that his is sometime the first week of August. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, I mentioned that he asked me, uh, It's your birthday sometime here soon? And I said, Yeah, it's like Friday. So, everybody send me money uh, tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Uh, What's also happening is the U.S. Open. It's underway right now from L.A. Country Club. And the unique thing about the U.S. Open, right, it's an open. So, therefore, you have the opportunity to qualify. Amateurs, professionals all have the opportunity to to make an opportunity for themselves in this tournament. So, sitting atop of the leaderboard right now, four under par through 15 holes is Jacob Solomon. Uh, Tied for second, you have Ryan Gerard, Dylan Wu, and Ricky Fowler all at three under par. Excuse me, as well. Xander Shoffley's at three under par. Uh, you, we've obviously seen Ricky Fowler's resurgence on the PGA Tour this year. He's stringing together a lot of top 20s this year. Xander Shoffley, he's been a name that everyone always thinks is ready to break out and win a big event, win a major championship. Uh, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen and kind of putting it all together, putting the four days together. 
Uh, in a tie for sixth right now is Max Homa at two under par. He, of course, was getting a lot of love heading into this event because the last time he played this golf course in a tournament, it was the Pac-12 championships, and he set a course record 61, which I believe is still the course record. Since he has played, there's been a lot of renovations, but still good vibes around this place at LA Country Club for Max Homa. And then all in a tie for sixth is Adam Hadwin. And Bob, you had to have seen this. Uh, so mm. last week at the RBC Canadian Open, everyone was really excited for Nick Taylor to be a Canadian, win the championship in such dramatic fashion with the 72-foot eagle putt, uh, champagne spraying everywhere, and Adam Hadwin, being a Canadian, wants to celebrate with his fellow Canadian Nick Taylor. So he's running out onto the green with champagne, and security tackles Adam Hadwin, (laughs) thinking he wasn't allowed to be out there. But obviously, no ill effects, no bruised ribs or anything like that as he's uh, two okay. under par through eight holes. But, yeah. A lot of, lot of champagne stories this week. Again, Jokic, uh, I guess, you know, in all the aftermath, left the MVP of the playoff, uh, uh, the finals trophy in the, in the like locker room and doesn't really even care to back, go back and get it. That's correct. He he <laughs> sat down, I think, with Malika Andrews and was like, I don't know yeah. where it is. But I will say it's been found because I saw it in uh, a video of the parade that's going on in Denver right now. Oh, that's going on. OK. Yeah. yeah so well, somebody dragged it out. Okay. <laughs> World will, num- will he take it? Will he take it home? <laughs> Probably not. Based upon current, uh, well, that depends. He'll probably take it home maybe to his house in Denver, but I don't think it's going with him to Serbia. He's more excited about hanging out with his horses. That's true. Uh, world number one, Scotty Scheffler, he's even through nine. John Rahm's also even through eight. That's good right now for a tie for 21st. We'll continue to update things around the U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club in hour number two, which is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point here on KDUS AM 1060.